Cards on the Table, a podcast about board games, card games, and tabletop war games. All right, welcome back to On the Table Gaming. It's episode 38, and today we have a an awesome surprise. I've been getting some messages asking about this topic, and uh, you know what better way to sort of unveil and talk about our future plans for A Song of Ice and Fire than to have on On the Table Gaming's very own Yana Rose of House Coder who is our, our resident digital expert. So welcome welcome to the show, Yano. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, no, finally. It's it's uh, it's cool after listening uh, for a while and, and being able to be on it. That's awesome. Well, I have to say before we jump into things, because I do want to talk to you about just, you know, Song of Ice Fire in general, but I also want to give you major props for being like my number one, like hype man or like uh, pep talk guy. We've got like a great group of community content creators. Sometimes I'll be like, oh, I don't know. How are things going? Is this like going as well as I think it should be? Or And you're always there to give me like a pep talk, to get me back up uh, on my feet and uh, going strong. So thank you for that. Oh, of course. I mean, it's like you said, it's the the, the content creators are so great that, uh, you know, you want to hype them up. You want to encourage them. And like the stuff that, that people produce in this community, especially, is, is really cool. We're I think we're really fortunate. And I, I really like that the Song of Ice and Fire community is like somewhat pretty close. And a lot of the content creators know each other. And as newer jumping on board, we're slowly adding them in. And it's just cool just having everyone to get to talk and, and share kind of their passion of the game. So speaking of passion for games, uh, so kind of what's your gaming background? Uh, so, I mean, I've dabbled in, in all kinds of stuff, magic and, you know, all the, all the regular stuff. But uh, as far as uh, tabletop gaming, it's been really just uh, 40K. I, I got uh, really into it for uh, competitive play and like going to tournaments and stuff like that. And What'd you play in uh, 40K? Uh, Space Wolves. Space Wolves. Oh. Yeah. The minute so, I saw uh, Starks and Berserkers, I was like, this is it. It's just <laughs> like being home. So so how did you hear about A Song of Ice and Fire, the miniatures game? So it was, it was through my friend Mike, who I, I like war game vicariously through. We, oh, we incidentally, who's our, our next person coming on the podcast. So he's going to be talking about some of his neutrals. So Is he really? Yeah, that's so funny. All right. Well, you beat him. You got on the podcast first. I better. That... Uh-oh. <laughs> No, yeah, uh, <laughs> actually, uh, uh, part of the list of the the newest edition was the Cutthroats, which was at his behest and like totally worked out exactly as he said they would. Yeah, I'm really excited to talk to him as well because he runs a and I, I mean it's like and I've mentioned this before on the podcast, but and I don't mean it disrespectfully, but he runs kind of like a vanilla neutrals army with nothing like kind of crazy spammed, and he's done really quite well with it. I think he's become a really strong neutral player, so I'm excited to get some of his insight into that list and army in general oh i mean without a doubt he was he was actually my first opponent uh at the tournament and he was hands down the hardest matchup oh yeah so actually so we we met at uh captain con in rhode island i think you smoked me with my free folk my i was wheeling him out for my my uh my debut i just got my starter sets i was so excited and uh i'm pretty sure some berserkers and great axes ground through everything <laughs> for, i mean that's what they do yeah i mean you helped a lot it, it's funny on the way up like i like I said the other day, it was uh, I'm learning how to play. I have no idea what the factions do outside of, you know, see, uh, hearing Mike talk about it through the group text, whatever. So I'm watching YouTube videos with my uh, phone on my lap. And uh, it turns out I didn't realize at the time that they were all your videos. I just had the playlist running. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was such a crazy surprise after <laughs> you left. And I realized I was like, wait a minute. Well, that's awesome. All right. So and then uh, obviously you, you kind of stuck with a song of ice and fire. Uh, and you're not really playing 40k anymore, though. Uh, no, I mean the, um, I think Games Workshop is to blame for that more than anything. But um, 
Song of Ice and Fire, just as a game system and everything, I'm like really, really into it. And you were playing, you played some tournaments recently, right? Didn't you, you won a tournament uh, not too long ago? Uh, that was at um, Off the Wall Games. And you're running your your Stark list then, right? Uh, yeah, so I, I mean, I wrote two lists. You're supposed to have two lists. One was like my Berserkers with this and that. And the other list, I was like, well, if this doesn't work, I have no idea what I need to do. So I'm going to put one of everything. So how'd that work out? I, I would say if anything, that's the weakest part of what I brought because I really, I didn't test it. I didn't know kind of what the plan would be. But I mean, I, I didn't even need it. Like the first list just did the trick over and over and over. So I stuck with it. Before we get before we get into talking about some of the technical stuff then, uh, like the website stuff, what's your go-to list then for Starks? And uh, what are some of the reasons you're making those choices? So the go-to is basically as many Berserkers with the Sworn Sword Captain as I can fit. Uh, in this one, I ran two, three, and the one unit of uh, Great Axes with uh, Rob Stark Commander in there. I put him in there just because, I mean, the commander you want to keep him with a unit that has an actual armor save. And then, okay. of course, uh, um, Sansa, which is the craziest value card, I think, in the entire game. And um, Roderick, Roderick Castle. So uh, running as NCU's Sansa for the ridiculous value, tutoring things up, and uh, Rod for uh, his, like, I mean, his abilities are perfect for Berserkers. Just absolutely the MVP of the list. You know, so the sword sword captain, he gives up that vulnerable. Right. I don't know. Is it like, you know, is that something you might switch up and instead of putting sworn sword captains in, you might consider putting in some umber berserkers? So that, that's a really interesting question. I think my gut is telling me that for now, I don't think people are playing berserkers quite right. So I would stick with the sworn sword captain and then eventually they're going to figure them out and it's just going to become standard to like, uh, not charge them. I think that's the big mistake people are making is, is charging berserkers is never the answer. Uh, and once they figure that out, then actually the Umber champion is the way to go for sure. Wait a second. What do you mean? I got I to gotta bite now. How is charging never the answer? I'm telling you, Chase, don't ever, ever under any circumstances charge berserkers. They love it. They absolutely love it. I was like, you've got berserkers, never charge anyone with them. And I was like, wait a second. No, no, th that's exactly what I'm saying. Is what? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. All right. Extrapolate then. I, I gotta, you gotta walk me through this here. So the, the, like the little picture idea of it is that if you charge with berserkers, uh, sure. You get the rerolls and everything, but if you are missing ranks on your first berserker activation or any berserker activation, if you're already missing ranks because you were charged, they're only stronger. Right. Mm. So what would you do then? Do you, in, in some situations, just like march up and stop in front of the enemy? Or like, are you just trying to set it so that you use them more defensively? You get them in position and wait for them to get charged? It's kind of both. So the big picture uh, like idea in the strategy is that they have 12-inch move. And that's like pretty massive for right. <laughs> the size of the tables we play on. And yeah. like, you have all these uh, objectives sitting out there. And like, turn one, I just grab them and like, that's it. And, and I mean, they have to come to you. They can't let you sit there. They're going to end up charging you. Like there's nobody faster to get on there and there's nobody uh, better to take the charge than berserker. Oh man. Okay. So that's sort of like your front line. Then you get everybody up there and then let everybody crash into you. Yep. That's exactly it. Yeah. I mean, there's one uh, really huge moment uh, where I was playing a mirror matchup against another Starkless. Mm -hmm. And uh, I ran the berserkers with just a sword sword captain. 
uh, my opponent ran Berserkers with uh, uh, Brandon Hodor, which is, I actually used to run the same thing. You know, you get the plus D3. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a nice combo. He charged me with Brandon Hodor. And like, there's that moment where your opponent's like, all right, that's 12 saves. Like after he's rolled to hit and everything and his rerolls, and you're like, holy crap. But then if you think about it, like on 12 dice, if you save even one, that guy is screwed because he's taking like an entire berserker at like full strength, even though there might be one model left uh, like on the tray, he's getting hit much, much, much harder than if you had charged him. Yeah, interesting. So because he'd be hitting you on eight dice typically with like a three plus, but he gets re-rolls. So you could right. get maybe all eight. You say he's got Brandon Hodor for the D3, yep. but eight dice with re-rolls versus 10 with no re-rolls, but it's a three plus. Yep. Mm. Yeah. I mean, on a three plus, you really don't. Um, oh, and then uh, what was it? Actually, the the most pivotal part of this is that um, after he had charged me, we're engaged. I actually don't activate the Berserkers. I activate Rod, the NCU, and I put him on the attack space. Okay. So what that does is it gives me like a chance to get that free attack in, and he gets that bonus when you claim uh, the attack zone. So I think you get the rerolls anyway. And then the nice part of that is that you already have vulnerable on them from the Sworn Sword Captains. So you can actually put the vulnerable token from the NCU activation onto a completely different unit somewhere else on the battlefield that might need to help. Oh, okay. And Roderick's going to give them critical blows and... Yeah, Jeez. so it could, I actually wiped him on the counter attack, and they hadn't even activated yet, technically. Jeez, that's, that is absolutely brutal. Well, that's that, definitely something to think about. Game. Now, you know, that's scary for me because as a Free Folk player, one of the things I'm still trying to really work on is how to close the distance effectively because, like... I do my best when an enemy like takes the bait and charges like a, a unit of uh, free folk raiders, and then like that unit's way out in the middle of my army, and I just smash it with everything, and then we move on to the next piece. But when people are really cautious and maybe they're waiting for me to engage, it can be really hard to take and like get good angles and envelop somebody when they're playing a little bit more defensively. And you know, if I charge in and you just wipe that unit on your activation, now it's my activation. I've got to get a second unit up there. Well. You know, it's no longer flanking or, or ganging up. It's because its unit, its parent unit got killed. Right, right. So. It's like feeding them one at a time. Yeah. So it's like, oh, so I'm trying to work on that. Now, this is maybe I don't want this information. We'll just cut that whole thing out and be like, beep. <laughs> yeah, right. Everyone's going to be running defensive berserkers now. I and mean, that, honestly, I think that's how they were meant to be played, really. And, and like to, to, um, to look at it from your perspective, I think um, my last opponent was Free Folk, and he didn't do this, but the most terrifying thing that I could imagine against a Free Folk player is to have him take his time to, like, position a bunch of units all around the Berserkers. Right. Like, to, to get all kinds of flanks, whatever. You guys get the uh, linked-up uh, activations. Yeah, yeah. Like, at, at the end of the day, I can only swing at one unit. And even if it's, you know, I hit critical mass, I can wipe the unit in the hit there's still two or three on them and they're, they're just going to get mobbed down. That's true. But if you are attacking twice per round, that is probably two units you're deleting. Cause even with your base stat of eight dice, you're forcing a panic test and I'm going to take, you know, another four to four. Oh, units that's true, that yeah, yeah, yeah. But 
I'm gonna we're gonna have to test this out. I'm gonna I'm gonna try uh, maybe I'll run some Starks in the future and I'll try out your defensive berserker strategy. I'm telling you, Chase. Everybody's been telling me I'm crazy. Give it like like you said. Once word gets out, let people try it and you'll see. And then I'm gonna have to stop running the Sworn Sword Captains and start running the Umber Berserkers. Yeah. Well, even then, I wonder. Like, I, I'm not. I'd be fun to do the math on it. Like, would getting plus two dice maybe turn it even turn it up to 11 as they might say yeah right exactly i don't know hmm. i mean because if you continue with the same pattern and you're activating uh roderick instead of um the actual berserker unit itself yeah then you get that free and vulnerable is the is the berserk champion an order or is it every attack the berserk champion is it's actually every, it's attack. every attack yeah yeah so you just activate twice in both times. I mean, probably oh at some point you're only one rank left and you don't even have to take the hits. Yeah. But it sounds like uh, this is a really interesting strategy. I have to think about that. So it's, it's fun to see when like units that people use and they see certain stats, like in this case, I think they see the movement and they're like, I can go so far, right? right yeah. so fast. And, but they're thinking of it like as a delivery system, not as a positioning mechanic. So, hmm. Yep, no, I mean, for, for me, right off the bat, I was like, 12 inches, we're playing on, like, a 14-inch table. Like, these guys can go anywhere they need. So why not, you know, grab up objectives right off the bat? Now, how did you figure this out? Were you, you Did you test it out, and you're playing some games, and you're suddenly like, wait a second? Or did you, like, sit down and, like, theorycraft and, like, just think about it as, like, an, an idea? It actually started when, when I first started playing. I looked over uh, all the stats for all the units, seeing like uh, the saves and the attack values and whatever. And I realized that very, 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 very few units have like critical mass in terms of attack. There are very, very few combinations, no matter how expensive, that can wipe an entire unit in one go. Mm -hmm. So your units are basically safe. Like at no point will you be completely wiped out because you made a mistake and like that unit got nothing done the entire game. Uh, so you're free to like, you know, push the limits on, especially with Berserkers, who the more hurt they get, the happier they are to be there. So you can really, really push the boundaries on that. Like, they are very difficult to deal with properly. Hmm. That's a really interesting way to approach it. Yeah, I mean, like, that's the, uh, you always want the efficiency for dice, and then you also want to look out for, like, Death Star units, like units that can one-shot everything, right. or, like, you don't even get a chance to say anything. Um, and that really just doesn't exist in this game. That was my, my go-to. I was like, I don't want to get screwed over at some point where some guy, I mean, like the, uh, the only example is, is, uh, of the mountain, um, right. There's the like that unit. Yeah. And then you could maybe pair that up with like a Cersei for the panic test that maybe can get you there. I mean, I've definitely had as a free folk player, my Raiders get like one shot by a, a brutal hit from something like berserkers with a panic test, but and that isn't the norm. But I wonder if, like, is that the opposite way to approach this, too? Like, so you, you were looking at it like, okay, so my guys are relatively safe. I wonder if instead it's like, hey, can I just go through and make a list of every combo or unit that can wipe out the units instantly and then try and build, a, like, a list based around those combos and those units and just be like, yeah, this list's just about smashing a thing and deleting it instantly over and over again. So I actually think, and this is to the credit of uh, the game designers, there's really no way, like, uh, the only even the mountain uh, combo, it, you get some kind of save, right? You, you get uh, well, he does the D three. Yeah, I mean, you do get your armor saves, 
Uh, like, he does the D3 wounds, but that's like a Bran or a Hodor thing where you're you're trying to get that extra thing that reach that critical mass, but it's a like a D3 variable. Exactly. Like, exactly as you put it, you're, like, reaching for it. And I think they designed it that way such that uh, the only time you ever get to roll at least 12 dice, you're reaching. And, like, they get their armor saves or they get, like, like your opponent would literally have to roll, like, 12 one. Right. Interesting. Well, that's kind of a fun way to approach it. And I really, I really like hearing how people look at um, tackling this game. And like, I think that's what's fun is that like each faction and a lot of the units within the factions like ask certain questions or like pose certain challenges you need to like try and figure out and like crack. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And like the for, for such a coherent like rule set, I'm like blown away at like depth of like different styles and like characters and combinations and like I mean, I think that's that's the highest quality part of this game is the way they put that together. Well, we're going to definitely have to have you do like a tactics talk write up that we can throw up on the website because I think uh, it'd be fun to get that out in the in the the wider audience and see if we can get people testing out more defensive berserkers and and maybe if there's any tweaks that we've overlooked or you've overlooked that we can uh, you know even further extend their value. It'll be right. Really I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm almost scared to like. <laughs> they perform so well at that tournament. Imagine all the stuff that I'm missing. Somebody right. else is going to catch and just blow the roof off on this thing. And then, but that's the game, right? Then, then someone will make a thing of being like, "This is how you counter your Umber Berserkers." You then you Crap, do this. Yeah. Yep. yep. Uh, and then I to, and then I throw out my Sworn Sword Captains and put Umber Champions on there. Right. Exactly. So, huh? Well, you know, and speaking of like tournaments and rankings and learning about lists and styles of play, so. We might as well kind of jump into here. We've been trying to work, and by we, I mean really you, because when I, I met you at that tournament in Rhode Island, um, we kind of started talking, and I forget if we started talking then or if somehow we exchanged numbers and we followed up later, but we had this idea that it would be cool if there was a way to make a uh, a way for people to come online and see other lists, other rankings, how people are playing, and basically to access tournament data, like actual statistical data. Right, right. Because like right now, I mean, we went through tons of waves and, and I'm not like, you know, poo-pooing any of this, but there was the like, oh my gosh, Flademen are so overpowered to then it's right, like, well, Flademen right. are nothing to now it's like, well, now this unit, Bowmen are so good or Bowmen are so bad. And like everybody in their local metas has these different views of what's working and what's not working. Uh, and then you find like some guy goes to Simon Expo running, you know, three flayed men units and a bunch of NCUs and does great. Or I, I hear that guy out. I think he's out in Fresno or maybe he's out in Texas. Uh, but now that guy apparently is running, you know, five Stark Bowman spam with NCUs and just like gunning stuff down. Good Lord. But like, or, or you know, that, that Giants list. Uh, oh, right. That, that free folk player. That I was like, this is a joke. Somebody put this up as a joke. Yeah, and then it's like, oh, no, that's his Feast of Crows list, and and it's and it does smash stuff. I mean, he took first place. So there's right. no arguing that. Yeah, so I mean, we, you know, there's these things that maybe don't seem competitive, or in certain metas don't seem viable, but actually are doing well. And so I think the idea was, if we could find a way to like kind of collate this data in some way and present it, that would be cool for people to have access to. And then along the way, we realized it's it's a lot more complicated than that. <laughs> oh God, is it ever? So uh, what are you working on now then? What's, what is this sort of shaping up to be? Maybe if you could talk about like where are the trackers headed? So um, it's exactly as you said, like you um, in putting together the site, hopefully people come together and like have a centralized place for information and like, you know, your tactics talks and everything, they are 
disseminating that information and, and affecting everybody's meta and hopefully we can pull that meta and hopefully the tracker will be the like well show me the numbers side of like everybody's tactics talked is the basic idea yeah because even that uh what was it the 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 faith militant list that i think his name is justin posted on a tactics talk he actually just won a tournament with it yesterday and uh it's not uh you know that's not something in a lot of metas that people are necessarily running some people you know i know a a certain co-host who is not a big fan of warrior sons but um it's doing a lot of work for some people and so it'd be cool to see you know the actual numbers like not what does the unit feel like but how well is this unit performing uh, how many tournaments are being won with this unit? Uh, and maybe even is like, are there certain factions that seem to be more dominant? Right, right, yeah. I mean, that's that's a big question. Is for a long time, people were saying that free folk were underpowered and they needed this or they needed that. Right, but the marker up one. That, that was exactly. all going on at the same time as he won Adepticon. Right, right. And like some people have not yet heard. And it's right. still like ranked as the most... Uh, what was it the weakest faction right. at the time? Yeah. As so, like... right. So we had our we had our polls we sent out too. Uh, we're looking forward to doing another one in the future. But it was like, what do people feel like is yeah. the weakest faction? And it's just funny because people's feelings aren't matching up with the tournament results we're getting. And so I wonder if putting that re- those statistics out there will maybe help address some of that, or you know, or are we creating a monster here? I don't know. I I think it's gonna start off totally out of control because i mean like like you said it's everybody has their own metas and like they've all developed sort of in a vacuum and that's kind of what makes them really really cool all these different lists and everything so if if we get this tracker together and people start reporting that data that data is going to reflect the fact that all of these results were created in a vacuum and we're going to get like crazy stuff but then hopefully as we sift through it and we can show it to people in a way that's useful then you know that those ideas can start to like spread and kind of break down those individual vacuums and and really really test things out you actually kind of already made like a prototype one that we scrapped uh initially we had just like a we're gonna have people uh send us information that we input and that was just kind of already too overwhelming people send me a lot of tournament results all the time and i just you know i get 60 things that are all these multiple a and b lists it's a little hard for me to actually like enter all of that in that's like hours of work and it really uh, is yeah and so then we kind of scrap things and so now um you know we're talking about this track we're kind of looking at like the back end like what people are going to see or sorry the front end what people are going to see as like statistics and results and see like a and b lists and who participated in the tournament um but how is that data going to get put in there so uh, the hope is that um we can kind of split the work up because as, as exactly as you said, it's so much work for us to put in the results at the end of the tournament. It's also a ton of work for the tournament organizer to, on top of everything, have to somehow take all these lists that all these players have thrown at him and like digitize them and like, you know, have them fit into our system so we can analyze the, the numbers somehow. So the hope is we can take all that work and shift it over onto the individual player. So rather having uh, one person enter 25 lists, we'll just have 25 people enter their lists on their own. So it would start off with the tournament organizer, enters everybody's names, emails, uh, launches the tournament. He gets a big uh, scoreboard sort of looking UI where players who have not submitted lists are in red. 
when they submit a list, it turns green. Um, every player can check their phones and then whatever email they entered gets sent a link. And at that link, uh, hopefully this is the part we're up to, is they get uh, a builder and then they just build their list right there. And then uh, uh, list one, list two, um, hit submit. And then other, the system automatically tracks whatever they're running. Obviously the TO doesn't care as long as the list is recorded somewhere. Uh, all that is handled. Their, their name just lights up green. And once everybody's green, the tournament launches, tournament timer, calculating brackets, all that. So that's awesome. So then it would give, it would mean that they would actually have to, to give their email and receive an email and then through the UI, then enter in their list there. And uh, right now we've got it, you've got to add like a kind of like a drop down, like click thing. Uh, do you kind of envision it staying in that sort of manner? So uh, hopefully, um, I've been talking to the guys at Song of Ice and Fire Builder, which is, I'm such a big fan of. I have it open right now, just to reference all the units and everything. They're like so on top of it that I'm hoping I can get basically exactly that from them to just plug into the, the whatever website the link leads to that the player clicks on their phone, which is bring up exactly Song of Ice and Fire Builder's uh, building system. And they can just enter the two lists, submit, and done. So, and that was kind of some of the problems we had early on. Originally, we wanted to have it so that you could just paste your list from a Song of Ice and Fire builder that you already made, and it would auto-make it. But it turns out the way the data is stored, that's like not really a possibility. Well, it, it was it was a little bit, it would get jumbled up, like little differences in how it was copy-pasted or what computer or what browser, like... And I remember originally too, right? It was that uh, when they save your list on a Song of Ice and Fire builder, you could copy it over into the tournament bracket. But then if you went back and later changed your list, right, 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 changed right. Yeah. the final output. And it's like, well, that, that's bad. If it's like, our here's our official rankings and like you can change your list that you were playing with later. And it's like, oh, geez. Yeah, exactly. And, and also, I mean, having a player um, hand this list to the TO, you run into the same problem where, all this information has to pass through the TO. Right. He's Poor Carl. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I remember Carl would be like, he's sending me like 14 like PDFs of all these things. They're like, yeah, this guy, like he spilled some stuff on his. Like this guy crumpled yeah, exactly. up afterwards, but like, can you read the handwriting? And I'm like, ah. Uh, so he's like, it was like it was, yeah, it was like 2 a.m. at yes. Con. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's like 90% of my interactions with Carl these days. It's like, it's after some tournament, it's like, you know, wake some god awful hour in the morning because he's still yeah. up. And he's like, all right, I found this player that left with a sheet, and now I've got it. Here we go. Yeah, he's, he's sending us this. I, I assumed he went to bed, like, hours ago. Right. No, like, he's for the love up. of God, man, like, give your body a break. You're going to, like, fall apart. Yeah. Or I'll be like, oh, okay, this time wasn't so bad. And he's like, oh, no, actually, I'm in Europe, so it's this time, but in the morning. And I'm like, oh, oh, dear. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, in American times, okay? <laughs> That's how bad it is. So, yeah. So, okay, so the idea is then that they, they populate their list with this email, they send it in. The TO then has the dashboard with all the lists there, and then it's going to generate brackets and will pair people up and give them the timings. Yep. So, like, I mean, any um, I, I see TOs like uh, launch on their on their laptops, like round timers, and yeah. like alarms, and whatever. Hopefully, we can just have one place where you know, after everybody's handed in their results, uh, there's always that five ten minute period where they have to go through the results and calculate the next. Uh, the standings and the next pairings and okay pairings are up and everybody has to go and find their partner or whatever hopefully we can make it so that this just handles all that and, and it'll like, be cool yeah 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 and it'll be cool when we get this up and running in sort of it's like beta form to see what other things community members might think would be helpful um 
because I think the time, the round timer is awesome. I think that's such a great idea to be able to just always know, being like, hey, we started at this official, here's the official timing, and you guys have, you know, X amount. Uh, that's that's really useful. And then, you know, so how does that wrap up then? You've played your games. I finished my game. So you and I play a game. I've entered my list. Tio gets it. I get my brackets. I'm facing you. We play our game. You crush me with your crazy berserker list. And then, then I we submit it. The TO approves it. And what happens? So it's like, uh, actually, at this part, I was thinking... If, if anybody's ever uh, attended like a Friday night magic event, they give you a slip and they ask you, okay, was it, did you get blown out two and oh, was it two and one, who won? Are you dropping, or are you not dropping on a little slip of paper? And then everybody comes and hands that paper over to the uh, tournament organizer and he just enters those results. So I'm thinking exactly the same thing, except um, yeah, who won is important, but also which list they used. And that's yeah. going to be like really important for the uh, analytics part of it. Oh, that was the other problem we were having with the paper submissions was that we'd get, you know, these papers lists sent to us, but then we didn't know which list was used for what round. Right. And so sometimes right. someone would have like a crazy B list, but then a really interesting A list. And we're like, well, did they win the tournament just running like all giants all the time? Yeah, exactly. Or did they never play that list? And we're like basing this data off of like, oh my gosh, the top player uses this thing. And it's like, oh, maybe they actually don't. Yeah, I mean, that, that's what I was thinking. I was like, oh, he just didn't make a second list and he just put giants down as all his units. Right. But then it turns out, I think he did use it. Yeah. Thing, right? I listened to that episode. That was crazy. Yeah, exactly. And it's just like, wow. So, I mean, I think that's the kind of useful information to have. And then down the line, I think, you know, sort of wish listing. One of the things we had talked about was having a way to like incentivize people to play tournaments more like or play through them. So the idea of like being able to track the stats on a individual player or like a gaming group. Um, and maybe you can like expl expand on some of that. Like what would be some ideas there? Yeah, I mean, w when we, we saw uh, Guild Ball has like a really cool tracker up and I mean, how they put it together is still blowing my mind, but they have like national rankings and global rankings for players that are calculated God knows how, but like playing through the entire tournament can like take on a whole new meaning if you're like tracking these stats or, or if you put together a group of guys from your local gaming store that, you know, want to participate in big tournaments, having their stats tracked uh, together or group versus group, things like that. Like, I don't know, it's a really cool uh, depth to add, even if you're not playing for first anymore, or especially yeah. if you're still playing for first, like whole new depth. Right. And it's like if each game you play, you get like six points or, you know, some value. Right. And then first place gets extra points. You could say, you know, you could have a high global ranking for playing a lot of games. And then rather than being like, oh, I, I'm going to, if I, I lost my first game, like whatever, I'm not going to get first. Like I might as well just go home. It's like, well, no, if you play like, you know, play, finish out the tournament. And even if you get like dead last, you're still getting points that could accumulate for you or for your team. Sure. Yeah. And, or if you get lucky and it's your first tournament and the first person you play is Chase ever, <laughs> then that'll hit your rank really good that you took on this veteran player. And even if you, oh yeah, there we go. <laughs> There you go, right? So, I don't know. And the idea is just to you know, have more incentive to play. And and I know for some people that might not be what they're into. And they're like, I don't care about that. Uh, but for other people, that might be an incentive. And I think I'm really excited about like putting together teams. Like I think it'd be fun to have oh, like yeah. an on-the-table gaming squad. And like, here's our guys. And like, we're going to pool our points. And like, 
how do we compete against, you know, like the CMON Expo team right, versus right. like, hey, off the wall gaming, like their store is going to get publicity because they've got five players on their team that are accumulating points. So, I mean, I think that's that's still, I mean, I think we talked a bit about it, but I don't know if we've started to implement it that it's, yet. It's kind of way down the line. Like, I don't know how we calculate it, whatever. I'm, I'm thinking about reaching out to the Guild Ball guys because, I mean, if anybody plays Guild Ball, I really encourage them to, like, check that site out. It's it's crazy. Yeah, and I mean, people have other ideas of things they think would make it interesting to play. Like, uh, someone actually was saying, hey, are you guys going to track, uh, track, like, the scenery that's used? And I was like, oh, like, oh, I don't know. Like, I know Greg Young was running his tournament where he said, bring your list and you bring two pieces of scenery. Oh, weird. And so that you'd place down at with your faction. I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. Things that we can't think of that would make a great addition to. Down the line, it's going to be really fun to be able to pull out this data and see what, what comes of it. Yeah, I mean, and once we have it sort of all recorded somewhere in a database somewhere, you know, going through it in every possible combination of results is, is like no problem you can check uh what how well do starks do against lannisters uh how well do starks with a certain unit do against lannisters what is the best unit that's like has the highest win rate against lannisters things like that yeah right and i'm just interested to be like how many times do people take guard captains with their lannister guardsmen like Right, for yeah, me, I mean, it's a hundred percent. But, but right, um, and you, you never know. Is the thing is somebody in some other space out yeah. gaming, and God knows where it can be like that's ridiculous. Right, and it's like, oh, it turns out, you know, uh, taking Brandon Hodor or the Umber Champion versus the Sworn Sword Captain. Like, where do those show up, and and where do lists, you know, seem to succeed more with? Right, right, and I mean, even that, that's a great example. Is moving forward as they uh, change or shift things around, we have. Uh, we're able to like change our the way we look through our data around and like figure out okay the old captain did this now the new captain is doing this oh interesting yeah oh i wonder if that'd be interesting to share with like fabio just to be like hey i know you're doing all this play testing and balance here's all the tournament data of like the most you know the top competitive players here's what it's showing i wonder if that might be helpful for them in balancing things going forward Totally, yeah. I mean, it's all about the numbers, right? I mean, and, and the best way to test it is to have literally thousands of people playing all across the country in every possible combination and sifting through that data. So then, I'm, they... I'm kind of sad you said that because now my defensive observers are going to get, they're going to nerf them. It's I don't know. I don't know about that. We'll see. I think they got, they're trying to like buff some of that stuff. I wonder. I, I feel oh, like God, maybe I, not berserkers, but yet. yeah, I, I feel like the Umber Champion might be a, uh, a, a buff for them but we'll have to see yeah actually now you bring it up i'm like holy crap wait a minute because that could delete a unit then hypothetically because they would uh, roll 12 yeah. dice and if you had the vulnerable token from roderick you're making them reroll their armor like that's a oh, Jesus. Yeah. decent amount of damage and so like now we're getting some death star units here but the other thing is like and I, i'm kind of interested to talk to mike about this on the next episode is that um you know how much do the numbers matter because Maybe he's maybe I'm just not seeing the list in all its glory, but it seems like the list that he's showing um, is not mathematically necessarily superior. It seems like he might, it's got a lot of really strong pieces and maybe I'm just not seeing all the synergy, but it seems like also at a certain point, it's like he has been playing neutrals for so long. Like he really knows how to play these pieces. Does he ever? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
And so it's not just about like net listing something like the statistics are going to be so helpful, but it turns out like in this game, particularly, it's so much about maneuvering as well. You know, I don't know. Yeah, that's why things like your berserkers are scary because if you know how to get them in the right spot and then you don't have to worry about like the flanking or the charges or they're that's pretty devastating. Right. I mean, and, and like berserkers are almost the antithesis of the way Mike plays is berserkers. Like I said, I'll march them up or grab whatever I can. I'll sit there. Uh, with his, like, you know, sticking with the pointy end, his whole list is pointy ends, and it <laughs> sucks. Like, there's nowhere to go on that list. And you're just like, I either charge into this stuff that I don't want to fight, or it charges me. And hmm. both of those are bad. You don't want to do either of those. <laughs> so, yeah, then what about for the tracker? Um, when are we thinking about having this launch? And, you know, we're going to have to work through some iterations still, right? We're going to need community help. Um, Without a doubt. Yeah, it is. Uh, Yano, you are amazing. You know, this isn't, we're not a, you know, like it's not a professional company with a team of like 500 people working on it. So there's going to be some interface elements we're going to want to, you know, work and tweak and stuff. But maybe we could get community members that are running local tournaments to sort of help us sort of do like a soft launch and then and figure out what things need to be addressed and get their feedback about what's working, what's not working. Yeah, that would be super awesome. Is I don't have time to like go through everything and test everything and like, Maybe emails are a pain in the butt. Maybe this is like totally wrong or whatever. All those things that are get tested, you know, in the actual store when you guys are actually playing tournaments, those are the things that we really need the community to like talk to us about and like let me know or, or let you know and like we can uh, try to improve it and try to just like have it field tested as much as possible. Like right, yeah. right now, my big concern is making sure that, uh, you know, in the coming weeks, hopefully we'll have something that people can actually use but I need it to be in a place where uh, they can actually use it and not risk something going wrong two hours into their tournament, four hours into their tournament, and right. the whole thing just falls apart. Well, that's what I wonder if maybe we could be able to do it. If someone is like <laughs> willing to, to test it out, even at like their local game store, a bunch of people show up and say, hey, we're going to play this afternoon and, and test it out. And maybe if it's a, a real tournament, a small tournament, um, they do like a paper backup copy. Um, you know, we basically just need community members who are willing to help and recognize that this is not a finished product. It's something that's going to need testing and, and feedback. But if you want to be like one of the play testers for this, um, you know, reach out to us, send us a message on Facebook and, and uh, you know, we'd love the help. And so, maybe you've yeah, got some yeah. ideas about how to solve certain problems we're having. Like we think we have a better solution with the emails of submitting lists and that time constraint, not putting it on the TO because you know, honestly, the more time the TO spends trying to have to do all this like managerial stuff, right. the less time he's TOing the tournament and supervising and answering rules questions and making it a positive atmosphere. Right. So ho hopefully this is like a, a tool that makes things easier for people. That was that was a big inspiration. Yeah. I mean, like you said, they're they're they already have to deal with so much that like why bottleneck all this information through them? Why not like everybody help out? You know? But thank you so much for coming on the podcast. And when we get it going. We'll for sure have you come back on, and we got to get some, you know, some tournaments where we're we're testing it out ourselves. Yeah, any any shout outs or things you want to give? Uh, absolutely no. Yeah, just two uh, off the wall games. They were they were so awesome. Uh, all the uh, everybody there was really cool. I, I like showed up out of nowhere, and I was like doing pretty good. And I, I like, you know, people get kind of uh, uh, upset sometimes. It's very high stakes playing uh, tabletop games, but everybody was so awesome there. It was it was a great time. I feel like so far every Song of Ice and Fire event I've been to, people have just been awesome. So knock on wood, but uh, and I think our yeah. community is like just a pretty awesome community. I I agree. I mean that that was 
that was a big inspiration. I mean, Chase, what you're doing is so cool and like getting everybody together and everybody's been so awesome in the Discord and everything. Like, you know, it makes you want to be their hype man. <laughs> well, thank you so much for all your positive support. I mean, it, yeah, it's been awesome. And, you know, I couldn't do the, the you know, there would be no tracker just with me. And I really appreciate you spending so much time programming stuff and, and uh, I'm excited to see where this goes. Same. Yeah, no, happy to do it. So if you're listening uh, and you think you can help us out, let us know and uh, stay tuned. Maybe what we're saying, a couple weeks? Uh, yeah, that's the uh, hope to get something in people's hands where they can, like you said, try to break it. Maybe we'll do in like, you know, a couple of weeks, we'll do a, hey, here's something we got, an update, and maybe it's, it's workable or breakable. We'll start testing things out. So in Sweet. the meantime, I hope you guys get your miniatures on the table. <laughs>